You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris. Today, joined with a very special guest and a very special co-host. First, I, I want to welcome Arian Jorjas uh, to the podcast. Hey, Aaron, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. It's morning here. Uh, yeah. Fantastic weather in the Netherlands, and uh, yeah, really, uh, really awesome uh, to be on your show. Yeah, no, thanks, thanks for coming on. Uh, it's it, Arian is in the Netherlands, and then right across. The hallway from me is a special co-host, Jesse. Hey, Jesse, you want to say hi? G'day. Yeah, it's good to be back, Chris. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, so Jesse's going to help me uh, be a co-host in today's podcast because everything today is about birds. Uh, just this is a phenomenal story, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, Arion wrote, he's the author of The Big Year That Flew By, 12 Months, Six Continents, and The Ultimate Birding Record. He is the Guinness Book World Record holder for seeing the largest number of bird species in a single year. Catch this. You know there's about 10,700 bird species out there, right? All across the world. Arion went in one year and recorded 6,852. Is that right? That's the number? That's correct. It's actually more now because of uh, some taxonomic changes. So I'm uh, closing in on uh, 7,000 now. (laughs) Yeah. Well, my bird expert, Jesse, we were just talking about that an hour ago because he was going to bring that up as a question. So we'll explain Ah. that a little bit later. But he said, yeah, no, he's he's almost at 7,000. And I was like, okay, (laughs) you you guys are going to have to to explain that one to us. Uh, But... Also, what's amazing is Arion raised over $50,000 for the Bird Life Preserving Extinction Program. Uh, he does have a, a big year documentary out there. So I've been watching all these climbers on Netflix. I really want to watch your documentary about your travels. I really enjoyed seeing the clips on YouTube. And he's also an ambassador for the IUCN Land Acquisition Fund. The ultimate birder. And it, just to start off, Arion... And in your book, too, you do explain your background a little bit. But if you could just kind of briefly let our listeners know, you know, where did this all start for you? And we're going to talk about your big year. But, you know, what drove you to get into birding and then bird conservation? Yeah. So um, let's uh, focus on my birding background because my my, um, like I'm actually, believe it or not, um, a landscape archaeologist (laughs) who never used... uh, a shovel or because <laughs> I got into the birding business already during my study. So um, way before that, when I was, I think, well, basically for as long as I can remember, I've been um, obsessed by nature and especially birds. Yeah. Like my most early uh, memories all involve a bird, like observing a, um, a bullfinch for the first time. 
maybe when I was six or seven in a park near near my house or well my seeing my favorite bird in the world uh, the great bittern uh, mm -hmm. and I need to come to New Zealand to see the Australian bittern which I did last time so oh, but, fantastic uh, I can remember seeing that bird for the first time when I was 10 or seeing a, a kingfisher for the first time like it all revolved around um, observing birds and, and wildlife and um, like I gradually became uh, more and more fanatic when I since I was like 10 years old I started like writing everything down in uh, in notebooks or, or logbooks and then uh, like my my life changed completely when I was um, 12 um, in the autumn of 1918 or 1998 um, and it was a stormy day um, rough weather and I went uh, actually you guys will love that since you're from New Zealand but I went uh, to uh, 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 to a pier to watch uh, seabirds because in, in the Netherlands it's not like New Zealand in the Netherlands you need a northwestern storm to see a shearwater or a jager and uh, not like uh, albatrosses and all the stuff you guys have mm -hmm. but um, uh, that day like changed my life for the good because I met some other fanatic bird watchers um, they let me have a look through their scope I saw a, um, a gannet for the first time and I observed the uh, arctic skua for the first time and wow. and even a manx shearwater and, and like that was just absolutely mental because I I those were birds that I thought I could never see 10 minutes uh, bike ride from my from my house in uh, Scheveningen so from that point, I was really, really hooked. So I spent every spare moment before school, after school, and uh, quite often during school, <laughs> uh, like <laughs> counting migratory birds. Um, and I got to know all these uh, fantastic uh, birders, mentors, uh, and they, they taught me all the, the tricks of the trade. And also I heard all these fantastic stories about uh, birding in Peru and Papua New Guinea and... Uh, and Ecuador and uh, and yeah so actually when I was 15 I told my mom I was uh, I uh, me and a friend uh, uh, booked a all-inclusive trip to Alanya in Turkey and mm. I promised her we would not leave the premises of the hotel grounds so actually we didn't spend one night in a hotel immediately took a night bus all the way to the border with Iraq and I ran and then uh, birded there for uh, for two weeks, sleeping along the roadside and looking for Caspian snowcocks and other cool stuff. And that was when I was 15. So you can imagine. Uh, yeah, from uh, that point on, it just took off. And uh, yeah, here I'm now I'm here talking to you guys about my record breaking big here. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. And I'm having flashbacks as you're talking because I see that. Say, It is an addiction once you start doing this. And, and mm -hmm. you know, now we have these apps, eBird, I push all the time, or Merlin, Merlin Bird ID. Uh, it's like Pokemon Go, but with wildlife. Yeah, exactly. And, That's what I always say. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're helping, you know, you're helping science. Citizen yeah. science, you're helping uh, the researchers out there track these birds. And, and, and I give thanks to Jesse. So Jesse, real quick, same question. If you just kind of briefly let our listeners know, because I talk about you all the time. When did you yeah, get into yeah. birding? When did it become your passion? Well, um, growing up, my parents always had a bird watcher and we always had a, a pair of binoculars and a bird book out the back window so we could try and figure out what's 
what's eating the bird feed. And um, never never really took off, you know, made fun of bird watchers most of my life. I had lots of friends who watched birds. And when I was in university, I had to take a test on the wildlife of Florida. And one of the tests was the birds. And I thought, oh, geez, um, I'm not going to be able to remember three, 400 species of bird for this one test in a couple of weeks. So I decided to take up bird watching as a means to study for this test. And um, I decided, you know what, all, all my friends that bird watch keep a list and I'll, I'll keep a list for a year and try it out and, and, and it'll help me get through this class. And I learned two things from that year. Um, one was that um, when I went bird watching at that time, it was the only thing that could truly help me relax. Going out and counting birds, being out in nature allowed me to forget about work and school and all those other things. And, and I could actually focus on something and relax. Uh, the second thing, which was probably the most empowering and how I probably ended up in New Zealand, is that um, as I was building that list of the year, I figured out, oh, I need to start finding birds and start leaving where I live to go find these birds. And it took me to places in Florida I never thought of ever going. You know, I, I grew up in Florida. I was born there. And there were just spots I'd never been or never thought of that were absolutely fantastic and beautiful. And I thought, wow, you know, just finding this one bird took me to this really cool place that was just off the beaten path. And so with that, um, after I left university, I started backpacking, spent two and a half years doing that. And my travels followed what birds was missing from my list. Uh, my entire trip in Australia was based around biodiversity hotspots and finding places in Australia where there's um, high densities of birds and eventually came to New Zealand. Um, uh, you, you mentioned, um, Arwan, uh, about uh, seeing seabirds. I happened to find myself on a plagic boat at a port ferry in Victoria in Australia. And um, I just lucked on it, got the last spot on the boat, spent a few hundred dollars on it. And when they asked me, oh, what are you, what are you looking for? I'm like, oh, I'd love to see an albatross. And all the guys laughed at me because they, they knew I had no idea what I was getting myself into. <laughs> and um, I went out there and it was, it was like seeing a dinosaur, a unicorn. I never thought I'd ever see an albatross. I thought that was a bird I would never see because they live so remote and so far out. And we, we found four species that day and fell in love with seabirds. And who knew that, you know, I'd come to New Zealand. I've got so many friends that work in the seabirding community here that are experts in their own right. And uh, just be involved with them and their conservation projects and doing my own amateur bird watching. It's, it keeps me going. It's such a great activity and, and it's such a great community to be involved with. Yeah. yeah. I cannot no, ag agree more on that. Yeah. yeah. It is for me also, especially the, uh, yeah, the, the only way you can relax part mm -hmm. uh, yes. and, and truly uh, re like I can I can really relate to that because um, I often I'm very uh, energetic always busy 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 I don't I mm. cannot relax and then uh, when I'm out birding uh, early morning uh, like uh, folk uh, over the fields and then yeah. uh, four hours later suddenly realized it's four hours have gone by in a just in a in a split second, <laughs> and um, I've just been completely like focused, only looking and listening, and 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 that is also a really important part of birding for me. It, it, it is just uh, also a mindset, way of living, basically. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's a lifestyle. Yeah, it's not just a yeah, hobby. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. It's fun. I always, you know, now I carry my my bins with me wherever I go. And, and take them out and even traveling. You know, when I went back to the States for a visit, I went birding. Uh, it's, a, it's an amazing thing to do. And I cannot tell our listeners enough to get out there and bird wherever you are. Hmm. Now, getting to the big year, and, th and that's the topic of your book. But what is a big year for 
birders. I know in your book, you talk about James Clements, uh, Mm -hmm. the UK couple, Ruth Miller and Alan Davies. And then I know Jesse wants to ask about Noah Stryker, but what is a big year? Yeah, Uh, you can do a big year about uh, with anything, anywhere. So you can do a big year in your garden, counting every creature that you come across in a year. You can count all the birds that you uh, see from your balcony in a year or in your own state or in your own country. Or if you're this crazy mental idiot, <laughs> you can travel <laughs> travel the world for a year and do a world big year trying to see as many bird species uh, as possible. Basically between uh, uh, 1st of January and uh, 31st of, uh, of uh, December. That is uh, basically a big year. Yeah. Yeah, 40 countries you did 40 countries i did 40 countries yeah that's oh it was it, yeah so we're gonna we're gonna kind of dissect this a little bit a little bit more uh, planning than yeah. doing a big year from your uh from your balcony though yeah yeah um so with the big year because um i've never done a big year i've done a big day where mm-hmm. you spend 24 hours and try and see as many species that's that's Which is fantastic it is fantastic. I absolutely love it. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I haven't raised the money yet to try and do a big year. And I've, I've got some friends that recently did a big year in New Zealand. Uh, it was cool. quite competitive because they did it in the same year. Uh, they broke the New Zealand record. Um, but yeah, with it's such a competitive thing, a big year. And it's it's quite lucky, I guess, for you that your competitor started the year before you. Um, so really, uh, Noah Stryker, he's, he's, he's an American bird watcher and he had the same idea as you to try and, you know, travel the world and, and utilize, um, all the tools that bird watchers have these days with, with the immediate access to, to, um, uh, sightings through the internet and, and, and guides and whatnot. Um, when you planned out your big year, that must've been a huge undertaking. Like how long did it take you to plan the big year? With Noah Stryker, how much did you use some of his strategy to do your big year? And yeah, it's it's got to be such a huge planning effort. Yeah. So um, so basically, the planning started uh, already uh, really early on, um, um, as I did a lot of backpacking trips uh, all over the world to look for birds uh, during high school and university. So uh, that helped a lot to basically get a good sense of where where you need to go for a big year right. uh, um, and then like really when I when I put the word out uh, uh, that I was gonna do a big year in um, in 2016 that was I think in uh, um, 2014 uh, yeah uh, I had to start planning also because like five minutes after I put put a put a tweet out <laughs> that I was going to do a big year in 2016, I got a, somebody sent me a screenshot of an American newspaper article that said, American will break the world record in birdwatching in 2015. <laughs> and that was Noah Stryker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, of course, uh, I soon found out that he was going to go huge <laughs> and uh, he was going to do a really big, big year. And um, so uh, what I did was uh, like in, a, in those one and a half years, I sent well, thousands of emails to potential mm-hmm. sponsors, uh, burning companies, uh, eco-lodges, guides, uh, burning friends uh, all over the world uh, uh, to see if they w- were willing to help me out or sponsor me. Um, so it was a huge logistic uh, operation. And luckily also had some really experienced uh, burning friends that helped out. And um, also my mom, who uh, 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 was 
already retired, but uh, she used to work in the in the travel industry, so that helped a lot. Um, and also, big shout out to my parents who supported me every step of the way, as did my girlfriend, um, which is also pretty important because. <laughs> We are still together and I have a daughter, so it didn't cost me my relationship. Um, But then uh, talk about the Noah uh, part. Uh, Yeah, um, I think I was, uh, I could do my big year in such a big way because of him. Um, Like with every big record, um, yeah, you need to really watch and study your predecessors. And uh, yeah, he he did an awesome job. He he not only changed the whole way a big year was done so before him it was back and forth to countries and uh, staying also uh spending quite some time back in uh, just uh, back home and relaxing mm-hmm. in between and uh, he did one uh, singular stretch uh, around the world and um, and and he basically birded every day or almost every day and uh, he uh, did a follow the carbon offset uh, program um, he collaborated with uh, big sponsors and uh, and I think the Audubon Society. So he changed the whole way Big Year was done. And he also, another big thing, he also counted uh, herd-only birds, which I also mm-hmm. did. Um, yep. So, yeah, I studied his Big Year and I also looked at, because he had kept the day-to-day log, and I looked at, well, which countries he spent maybe too much time and his count went down. And then I knew... Uh, can spend less time there. Maybe I should include, for instance, Ethiopia, because he had a lot of species missing in the Horn of Africa, or I should spend less time there, more time there. So I really uh, studied his uh, itinerary and I made some adjustments. So if you look at our itineraries, uh, we have quite a lot of uh, the same countries, but I had uh, also some different uh, differences to my strategy. So I... So really big, uh, two really big, uh, I think, things that I really looked at is I try to um, uh, record as many species uh, on their wintering grounds. Uh, So you don't have to travel very far south or very far north uh, because the the species density is lower there. And Mm -hmm. um, most of like 80% of the northern species will winter further south. you, You can get them on the wintering ground. Uh, so that helped a lot. And I also, uh, what, what is really, uh, I think, interesting for listeners is that I, I uh, try to contact guides, like the best guides in the business, um, mm-hmm. just prior or just after their peak guiding season. So as you will notice, looking at my uh, itinerary, you'll see that I visit places just for or just after the best time to go birding there. And that is the only way to get these fantastic uh, local burning guides uh, involved. Because otherwise, why would they? Uh, since they are bu- uh, guiding bird quest and uh, rock jumper and all these uh, of course, yeah, yeah. So that is how I planned it in a nutshell. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then we're going to get into how it went. Because I, <laughs> my question is, you know, so if you do the math, it's roughly about 19 species a day. Yeah, right, that's roughly. Correct. Okay, yeah. about 19 different species of bird a day, mm-hmm. uh, 365 days. So, so no let up. I I know in the book you talked about flying at night, right? Mm-hmm. To to because yeah. you know you can't really unless you're seeing some owls or something. But which I did, I did a <laughs> lot of owling. Yeah, a lot of owling. Did. Yeah, yeah, I was impressed. <laughs> yeah, that was but, like the most 
uh, almost strangest part about my big year is pushing for the owls and the night jars and out of night jars and frog mouths. Mm-hmm. That was that was every night almost I was looking for owls. Yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. So then I was not flying. <laughs> quick question: What was your lowest day and what was your highest day? And as far as species seen, my lowest day was. Zero. No. Oh, yeah. You, you weren't looking or you just... I have one zero day in Tanzania. Yeah. And yeah. a really funny one. I almost had a zero day in uh, South Africa. Uh, oh. But I was with a really fanatic uh, birder called mm-hmm. Eva Kistler. And, uh, and he said, not on my watch. Not going to have a zero day on my watch. <laughs> so we arrived in uh, Cape Town. And then we drove along the beach uh, just I think 10 minutes to midnight, uh, we were with a flashlight checking the beaches for a heartlobs girl. And we finally found an African uh, black oyster catcher, which was uh, new <laughs> <Yay>. for the list. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which makes no sense, but it's more of a mental thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. But so the, the lowest uh, count was in Tanzania. And, and it was crazy because we had a fantastic day of birding at a really fantastic birding site. It's uh, Usambara Mountains, but I simply cleaned up there. So mm-hmm. uh, saw everything I wanted, except one piece we dipped again, the Usambara Hyliota that day. Um, and yeah, that's how it goes. Um, and then the highest count, believe it or not, was day number one in the Netherlands. <laughs> oh, no way. Yeah. <laughs> so I had planned together with a couple of really fanatic birding friends, one of those mentors that I met in the early days in Scheveningen, uh, my friend Vincent, friend uh, Rinse. Uh, uh, we planned a big day, a winter big day in the Dutch Rhine Delta. And two weeks prior to this uh, big day, it was horrible weather continuously. Mm. And then uh, that day, it cleared up. We had wind still conditions, fantastic weather all day, and every bird played ball. So uh, we had this mental day with, I think, 119 uh, different species in wow. winter in Netherlands. Wow. And I think till this day, that is a record within a record. And I got all these northern species we twitch them basically. So I get stuff like black guillemot, uh, razor bill, um, northern uh, or black throated diver, uh, mm. whooper swan, pink footed goose, and even a vagrant pine bunting. And so it was just the, the best day of the year was the first day in the Netherlands. But that said, you know, I had some really big days, but then I had already spent quite some time in a country. Uh, so I had then not so many new ones, but mm. I had a day in uh, Lake Nakuru with uh, close to 200 species a day. And uh, yeah. Wow. 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 So one of the places you went to is a place that's, that's dear to Chris and I. Okay. Um, you went to Gainesville, Florida, of all places in America, to go <laughs> bird watching. And yeah. you went to one of my favorite bird sites, uh, Payne's Prairie. Um, yeah. t- tell us about birding out there in Payne's Prairie and, and in Florida. With uh, Carlos. Sanchez, yes. yeah, yeah, that was great because I I like Carlos a lot. So um, I also actually he, he after my I had a lot of guides uh, mm-hmm. or birding friends that I met during big year that uh, afterwards uh, visited me in the Netherlands, like when they were on route to some birding trip and they had a layover here, and uh, also uh, Carlos uh, took him out uh, birding, uh, looking for uh, for for some Dutch birds. And uh, uh-huh. yeah, I, I really loved uh, birding uh, in Florida. Um, it was one of those strategic places uh, to get all those northern birds on the wintering grounds. 
And yeah, um, yeah um, um, I think um, that's where we, because um, you, you mentioned the <laughs> prairie. Payne's Prairie. Did yeah. you, did you yeah. saw a whooping crane there? Is that correct? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So whooping crane and um, a lot of fantastic, um, um, yeah, water birds, uh, sparrows, and uh, and yeah, it's my. So the whooping crane is, is the one of the best birds that I got there. Um, it, I think it was from a reintroduction program, though. But I also from a conservation perspective, also mm-hmm. in New Zealand, as you will notice, mm-hmm. I, I counted uh, birds from a conservation from these conservation reintroduction programs um because uh, i think it's important to tell those uh, stories oh, um, totally. and that whooping crane was a really special because um i now only i've never seen only one species of crane the black-necked crane and that whooping crane uh, is part of all the other crane species that i've I've seen in my life so oh, i need only one crane one more to, one more to get the black neck wow yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So prior there, to my big, um, oh sorry, yeah, yeah. Um, it, throughout uh, the rest of your big deer, did you clean up on any other group of birds? Like, did you get yeah. all the the pelicans or yeah, all the the old world vultures? Mm-hmm. Oh wow, uh, all the pelicans, indeed. Uh, I think. Yeah, old spoonbills. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then and then some uh, of the more difficult. Uh, Groups. There are. There were some. Oh God, I to, God, I have to think of. Um, there were some like um, quite large uh, uh, families that also cleaned up on, or just with one missing. And, mm-hmm. and still, someday, sometimes I, I, on a rainy day here in the Netherlands, I go f- put the list in taxonomic order, <laughs> and then drool over my own sightings. <laughs> And then think back That's at those. Fair. Yeah, 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 yeah. You some, because sometimes it feels like uh, uh, it went all went by in the flesh. You know, it's a year yeah. of birding, but it's it was fast paced, and I was yeah. continuously doing uh, to keep track of all my species and make make notes in my uh, my logbooks and uh, mm. keep in contact with all the guides. So it went by in the flesh, and then uh, sometimes it feels like I've it never happened uh, yeah. until I. Yeah. I like sometimes go through that list again and remember all those fantastic birds I saw and all those fantastic people that I met and all these fantastic mm-hmm. sites that I visited. Yeah. I don't have yeah, four um, countries. Yeah, you did you did Australia and New Zealand in twelve days, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, t- tell us a bit about your time in New Zealand because you got to hang out with one of my best mates, uh Johannes Fisher. What what yeah. was that la- what was that like? Did he did he uh <laughs> give you a good show? Yeah, yeah, Johannes did a, uh, gave me a fantastic show. Uh, he had because uh, uh, New Zealand uh, it's amazing with a lot of endemics, and uh, but uh, you, if you spend two weeks there or even a week, uh, you will lose the 19 species a day momentum. That's so, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Johannes uh, planned a crazy one and a half uh, days in New Zealand. <laughs> so um, it was basically. Um, a little bit of birding around Auckland and then went to the south to Wellington where he lives. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, immediately looked for a couple of um, um, birds like a little spotted kiwi. Mm-hmm. And then next day, the pelagic was uh, the ferry ride to the... That's a great pelagic. Yeah. Yeah, yep, to, yep. The, to the South Island. Uh, and then there we did a boat trip, visited some of the, the small islands with uh, saddlebacks and stuff like that. And then it was back again. But I, if you look at the list, if the density of um, 
uh, endangered and critically endangered species. Uh, and also the number of species is, it was actually one of my, the better, uh, um, like uh, quant quality uh, wise, one of the better uh, parts of my uh, entire big year. Definitely. I saw the orange, fr orange fronted parakeet. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, really contagious. And, um, yeah. yeah, a rough faced shack and uh, some really good birds. Yeah. And although the, 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 the ferry ride from the north to the south island, um, also, um, um, Johannes told me it could have been better. <laughs> like we could have got, <laughs> we didn't get, a, we didn't get any of the di diamedia uh, albatrosses, one of the larger albatrosses. Mm -hmm. But you know, yeah. that's a big year. You have limited time, and you need to yeah. seize what you can get and uh, enjoy every moment of it. Yeah. yeah. Did you see any yeah, diving no. petrels when you're out yeah. there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, we got, good, uh, good. I think. Uh, common diving petrol and then i get uh, i got uh magellanic diving petrol in uh, in chile and i got really? um um proven diving petrol in uh, also northern chile yeah. oh, good yeah. good so three yeah. diving petrols but yeah, not the good. one you that's a good effort saw. yeah i've only got not two on my life list so you're doing well <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well you got a better one though <laughs> the 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 bird with a name that's almost as unpronounceable as my own name <laughs> yes, the federal <laughs> diving petrol. Yep, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and we. Uh, I know it's a big deal here. Like I'm trying to to get to my hundred list in New Zealand. Seeing hundred birds, and Jesse is just off two hundred because okay. that's about all we have. We we don't have much more than that uh, in the country. So, and, and you did go to Zealandia. Is that including uh, non-natives? No, uh, yes, natives, right? yes, it does yeah. does include non natives. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The, the, the two hundred club is is the elite uh, group of birders in New Zealand. There's there's only maybe about two dozen people that have even seen two hundred uh, native and and uh, non native wow. birds. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. the quality over quantity is high. <laughs> yes. True. Yeah, you have Very to need true. to travel back in time to uh, before uh, people <laughs> arrived. You could have gotten hast eagle and uh, oh, and the moa. Moas. Yeah. Oh. Uh, laughing out. Well, I always totally. tell people that if there's one, people sometimes ask me if you could have gone back in time, where would you go? Well, I would go mm. to New Zealand before um, the Polynesians arrived, and then mm -hmm. uh, see all those moas and, and oh, eels yeah. and, yeah. and yeah. laughing owl and all that cool stuff. Yeah, yeah I can only see them in the museum now. I saw them last weekend. Oh. I was down in Wellington last week and went to Zealandia, where mm. uh, you, you got to see the kiwi. I was very fortunate to see kiwi there. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It, so. What were some of the setbacks? It, it reading your book, you do talk about some of them. Uh, stomach upset stuff. I can only imagine yeah. <laughs> getting sick on a trip like that. But what were some of the other things that? Because I mean, that's nineteen species a day, and like you said, no. it's frantic pace. You started in the Netherlands, right? And then you went to Dubai. Yeah, and, and I imagine Jesse uh, Jesse did this. I flew to Fiji with Jesse, and, and he gets off the plane. First thing he has out is his binoculars trying yeah. to find birds around the airport, which I thought was hilarious. And then he went on mm -hmm. to the States and I, I stayed in Fiji with my wife. But uh, 
So when you went to Dubai, were you looking? You were looking for birds around Dubai when you were on a layover, and then yeah. you went to Sri Lanka. But what were some of the, I guess, some of the setbacks you experienced when you did this? Yeah. So, um, uh, like in general, um, I was very lucky. I didn't have that many setbacks. You know, for traveling for a year, none of my, um, uh, n- nothing really bad happened to really good friends or family uh, back home. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, um, no severe weather that, uh, completely messed up my schedule or guides that didn't show up or, uh, um, like I was sick for a day puking mm-hmm. from a rickshaw, but I still yeah. fr- from that same rickshaw observed the white bellied minivet, which is really rare. <laughs> uh, but, um, I, I didn't get, so a friend of mine traveling with me, for instance, got malaria, uh, or another friend of mine uh, later in the year got Lyme disease, you know. So um, uh, I, I didn't get uh, something that really uh, messed me up. And I think Noah, for instance, Peru, he was really sick for uh, mm-hmm. for at least a couple of days. And in a country like Peru, that will cost you a lot of a lot of species. So I'm guess in general I was I was very lucky. But sometimes it was it was it was tough going, especially. Uh, uh, yeah, well, I just discussed the 12 days uh, part uh, in Australia, New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was days in a row with just an hour or sometimes no sleep or just mm-hmm. uh, like wow. falling asleep uh, on a sweater, my head on a sweater on a bumpy road in the outback of uh, Australia and then whoosh, waking up again because I had to jump out of the vehicle to look for a black-eared miner that just crossed the road. So uh, like that, like I, I, I had a picture uh of, of how I looked after those 12 days in uh, Australia. I looked, I looked like a gray skin, uh, big bags under my eyes, uh, just really bloodshot eyes, really, really fatigued. I never looked so fatigued. And, um, uh, of course, uh, uh, yeah, not seeing my, my girlfriend for such a long time. But, again, I was lucky with yeah, present day. It must be very different when James Clemens did his big year. Um, yeah, I had WhatsApp, FaceTime, uh, mm-hmm. basically could keep in contact most of the year. And also my girlfriend and also my dad uh, joined me on several occasions during my big year. And I had a lot of really close uh, Dutch birding friends who decided to um, uh, you know, spend their holiday joining me during my big year uh, and, and spend their birding year, once a year birding trip. Uh, yeah, joining me. So I had all these fantastic companions like Johannes, for instance, which made uh, my big year so much more special because I could share all these amazing experiences. And, uh, and and that makes birding, I think, I love birding on my own, uh, mm-hmm. being out in nature. But I, I well, for instance, finding a rare bird uh, in the Netherlands, if you find a rare bird with a friend of, your, of yours, mm-hmm. It makes it so much better because you you can high yep. five and you yep. can yep. Yeah. you can scream of happiness together. You can drink that 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 best tasting beer of your life afterwards in the pub. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Jesse's somewhere in the world or we're out, or somewhere. Me, me and Pippa, my my wife, we we send him pictures. We're like, look what we just spotted, you know? Because it, 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 it's when we're out in the wild. Jesse's always like, oh yeah, I've seen that. But here, Chris, you know, and I'm like, oh, so cool. Real quick as a follow up, you did mention Peru and and you did yeah. mention that in the book, isn't that? You said that's like one of the best spots in the world yeah. 
to go and, and, and see birds? Why? Yeah, to, to me, uh, Peru is the best uh, country for birding in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I think uh, Colombia and Brazil have slightly more species. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you look for quality over quantity, um, Peru uh, compared to Brazil is relatively small. And, uh, of course, it's not an island. Uh, well, to the north, you have uh, Ecuador, uh, to the east, Colombia, Brazil, Bolivia, and Chile to the south. Still, for instance, you have an entire genus, the Inca finches, five species only found in Peru. You have such endemics as the marvelous petchel the white-bellied synclodes, uh, scarlet-bellied, uh, scar- uh, scarlet-banded uh, uh, um, uh, uh uh, barbet, which I still need to go uh, back for. And um, yeah, a couple of these really amazing endemics, uh, well over 100 endemics found only in Peru. So, um, um, and then 1900 plus uh, species, new birds for science found there on a yearly basis. Yeah, it's just completely mental. And then um, the culture, the landscape, uh, the food, uh, um, the people. Yeah, it's just the perfect country uh, for me. Yeah, and then my my guide there, Miguel, uh, was just fantastic, logistic wise, but also his knowledge of birds. Uh, yeah, um, he made the he he went that extra way to to make the the trip even more special. And actually, to to put things in perspective, in just over three weeks, we observed well over a thousand species there. Wow, wow. wow, incredible. Wow. And then rem- imagine seeing in your lifetime 200 species in New Zealand. Yes. Five times, yes, more exactly. than five times yeah. as many in Peru. Uh, when are we going, Jesse? When are we, <laughs> when are we going? <laughs> in a few months. Let's, let's book yeah, that yeah, trip yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, but for the beginner, so my girlfriend joined me there and it was yeah. her, one of her first big birding trips. And, uh, and then Peru during her boyfriend's big year. So uh, we saw like uh, some tanager on the Manu road. And then two mm-hmm. weeks later, we observed that same exact same tanager further north in Peru. And she would say, oh, this is the best bird we've seen so far. Oh, it's much be- even more beautiful than all the other tanagers seen. Said, Camilla, two weeks ago, we saw the exact same tanager about uh, 20 times on the same day. <laughs> but it was, <laughs> there was too many new birds to process. If you're yeah. not really experienced and you know what to look for and you have a good, clear picture of what bird you're looking for every day it it is just simply uh, for the for the beginner it is too much you cannot comprehend yeah. what what, hap- what, what happens there what, what is your fun. advice for a new bird or two to peru let's say chris and i we we hop on a plane in a few months we go to peru what what advice do you would you give us to to prepare for something like that yeah i would i would i would i would definitely uh if you can if you can afford it uh try to get a good local birding guide you don't necessarily need to go with a birding company, but like even better is uh, uh, hiring a local local guide because you also invest in the local economy. And mm. often those guides are ambassadors uh, uh, when it comes to conservation of, of these uh, special birds you're looking for. And this that local knowledge is just really important. And then uh, I think yeah, back in the days when I first traveled to Peru, um, I, I had... Um, um, six or eight kilos of birding books from all the surrounding countries because there wasn't a birding book there was no birds of peru now you have birds of peru as an app on your phone with all the sound Mm -hmm. recordings so that makes life much easier and i i used to study um uh birds of uh uh where to watch birds uh, 
in Peru by Thomas Valky. That was here. I, if you have two seconds, yeah, two yeah. seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, yeah, 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 yeah. So, second trip to Peru for me. Mm-hmm. Eh? So this yeah. is, then you finally had a bird book. Yeah. Uh, this is how it looked after one trip. Whoa. <laughs> wow, that's been beat up back and forth. Yeah, that's looked like it's it's washed in a in a washing yeah. machine. Yeah. And, and the binding completely... fold apart. That's a well-loved yeah. book, mate. Yes. Oh so that was before actually. So this was also this book is you cannot identify Tarenilets with this book. I tried, but doesn't that Oh yeah. And then, and then you have and then I had this book with me all time. Where to watch birds in Peru? Mm-hmm. And like I it is uh, also beaten down and fallen into the water several times <laughs> and drenched with sweat. And then here you have a track of all the birds. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. And now, so this is, that was in ancient times. And now you, mm-hmm. you have eBirds. You can exactly yep. look at the heat maps where you can look yep. for certain bird species, which time of year you can expect what. And of course, you have, you have uh, even like things like the Merlin app. Mm-hmm. which can give you quite a good idea if you just put a back of the screen photo of your camera into the Merlin app it will give you a general idea of which tyranno that you're, you're looking at and even you can analyze sounds uh, mm-hmm. um, and you can look at uh, cloud birders for trip reports and uh, that's also something I would do is focus either on the south or the north of Peru or the central part, okay. don't do everything like I did in three and a half mm-hmm. weeks that's absolutely mental but I did. <laughs> so three separate trips. All right, I'll make a note yeah. of that. Or spent a couple of months there and uh, just uh, <laughs> tried to see everything, which is impossible. Wow. Uh, one of the things I appreciated reading through your book was um, all the little conservation stories that you had in there mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and bringing to light some of these um, conservation projects and programs I hadn't heard about. And... Um, when I, I, I'm trying to plan out, you know, where should I go birding to just maintain my, my global birding for for um, for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I'm trying to figure out is where should I go birding now? Not only just to bulk up my life list, but to try and find birds before they disappear. You know, I've got Hawaii oh. on my list. I've got the Philippines on my list. Um, of all the places that you visited, where would you suggest that birders need to go before it disappears? Mm, well... Um, maybe uh, the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, I I didn't visit uh, Hawaii. I did visit New Zealand with a lot of critically endangered species. But I oh, think yeah. New Zealand is doing an awesome job uh, now in 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 trying to 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 conserve these species. And 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 I think yeah, the the rest of the world can really uh, learn from that. I think it also also it tells us something that. There, where we have lost uh, so much, yeah. we are mm-hmm. trying the hardest to preserve what is left. Because, mm-hmm. well, New Zealand shows that it's part of our, all those birds and nature. It's part of our DNA. And, and without it, we are screwed. So mm-hmm. I think that we should bear witness to, to, to New Zealand in that. Um, 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 well, I was, I was talking about um, the Philippines. Yeah. So I was in uh, one of the best birding sites, Peacock, in uh, on Mindanao, and while we were there, I already know all the all the biggest forest giant trees were already felled, and 
Wow. Like 24 seven, we would hear like the, the, the chainsaws cutting through these, these trees and uh, lots of illegal logging, lots of illegal bird trapping. Almost every bird you see there, which is endemic to Mindanao is either vulnerable, endangered or critically endangered. And um, many of the rarer birds are becoming harder and harder to find, like celestial monarch, uh, mm. uh, slaty back flycatcher. And uh, um, yeah, so um, I think uh, Philippines would be a really good bet. And also, uh, yeah, some birds are going extinct there or are down to a very few. And then uh, in, sec- in addition to that, uh, definitely uh, uh, the northern part, northeastern part of uh, Brazil. Uh, right. um, yeah, stuff like a uh, blue-eyed ground dove, Arepa mannequin, which oh, I didn't see during my big year, but yeah, a, a very high density of critically endangered species, which sometimes are just clinging on in a couple of acres of, of forest, which is under a lot of threat. And then also, um, well, I think we should be really happy that Bolsonaro is gone, but still, uh, illegal yeah, logging yeah. is 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 happening a lot, and uh, also. Our government, the Dutch government, is partly responsible or, uh, with, with our intensive agriculture. We import soy and, uh, and maize from Brazil, which is har- harvested and grown in the Amazon rainforest. And uh, um, yeah, so, and of course, uh, yeah, rainforest in general all over the world is threatened. Yeah. 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 Well, <clears throat> sad, but true. Yeah. Yeah. It is, and yeah, grasslands, yeah. grasslands. It's an yeah. like there are many people always think of 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 rainforest as threatened, but there are so many more habitats, and that's why what I'm doing with the uh, um, and Land Acquisition Fund. We also mm-hmm. try to fund projects in the in the Catinga uh, in Brazil or the Cerrado or um, um, uh, the grasslands of northern Argentina, because all these ecosystems are home to unique species and many of these ecosystems are also severely threatened and uh, the eyes of the world are always focused on the, the Amazon mm-hmm. for, mm-hmm. for yeah. which I, I can understand a but, yeah. Yeah. but a yeah. lot of things are a lot of places are also really really threatened so yeah uh, yeah. yeah 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 one of the things I, I, I wanted to ask you because I mean you've seen you know what 7,000 species of birds we just did a, a an episode on the bearded vulture. Can you remember the first time you <laughs> saw one? That's on your list, I assume. Yeah. You said I've all the old world that. vultures. Yeah. So do you remember? Can you? Because this is what yeah. I love about birding. Like I remember the first time I saw an albatross or something. Can you go back to that that moment <laughs> you first spotted that bird? Yeah. So uh, that was when I was, I think, 13, mm-hmm. 13 years old or 14 years old. I was, um, so my uh, my uncle, he, uh, he used to live in uh Argentona, a little village just north of uh, Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And I would mm-hmm. s- visit him during my summer holidays and we would camp in Odessa National Park in uh, in the Pyrenees. And uh, I can remember waking up in my little tent, zipping open my, like a zipper of my tent. And then uh, after a foggy day, finally blue skies. And then, yeah, I had a bearded vulture just uh, patrolling the, the, the hillside and the cliff face and then uh, passing by and this huge, like almost three meter wingspan, mm-hmm. and that orange belly, which is also it's not actually orange, but it's from red ochre that mm-hmm. it, it it gets from right. from uh, from baiting, uh, uh, and then yeah, it has these crazy mustaches, <laughs> yeah. which actually it uses to. I heard it it it, it stores water in there. Oh, so no it way! Can, uh, yeah. so chicks oh, can wow. drink, yeah. 
and then like this bird can dissolve sharp bones in its stomach yes. because its stomach acid is like uh, uh One. about ph2 i think <laughs> yeah so, letter two it's so low yeah yeah so, so yeah that's the magic of birding like you can go back to that moment in your life and go yeah i saw that majestic animal and that's why we're fighting so hard yeah. to conserve them right like exactly to save all these species and it, i observe bearded vulture not only in uh spain but i observed it on three continents so uh, I observed awesome. it in Ethiopia, observed it in uh, South Africa, and I observed it in the Himalayas. So uh, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> and Real in the quick. Netherlands, because <laughs> yeah. oh, they, they are they are you know they have a really a vagrant. great yeah. yeah good conservation success story reintroducing them in Europe. Yeah. During your your big year, what sighting was the most special to you? What bird were you just like? Oh my god! I can't believe I just saw that. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, well I, let's take another species then. I usually, because uh, I have a lot of interviews about my big year, and mm-hmm. I usually say horned guan, which is uh, okay. like yep. The, yep. Yeah, one of the, those mythical beasts in the highlands of uh, Guatemala. Which mm-hmm. And also I had to work really hard to see that bird. Or, for instance, uh, the white-necked picatartis, or rock fowl that I observed in, uh, in Ghana, those were really special, but let's let's talk about a different bird. So to give you guys a different story, yeah. and uh, for me, my first uh, I actually observed three harpy eagles during my big year, but uh, the first one was extra special. So I was uh, this is a crazy story. So uh, a couple of months prior to my big year, I was asked to come on the biggest Dutch talk show to this to talk about my uh, my uh, my big year. And I actually became friends with the, the talk show host, which is one of the most famous people in the Netherlands, yeah, called awesome. Humberto Tan. Yeah. yeah. And uh, um, so after the show, he, he went birding with me a couple of times. And he actually, he really enjoys the nature photography. So he asked, is it maybe possible to join you uh, for maybe a week or so during your big year? I thought, he's not a real experienced birder. And I just know the guy and... Uh, and He's not doing this because he's yeah. He need to host the biggest Dutch talk show, and uh, and he he's, he's also the guy who who uh, um, uh, uh, does the Olympics, you know. Uh, right. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that was in uh, in the summer in uh, in uh, in Brazil, and he said, "Are you also going to Suriname?" I said, "Yeah, I'm going to Suriname." He said, "Because um, I'm he he is originally from Suriname." And he said, is it maybe uh, early July? I said, yes, it's early July. Oh, he said, it's just after when my talk show is finished and it's just prior to the Olympics. So a week later, he sent me a screenshot of his plane tickets to Paramaribo. And then, uh, so there I am, early July, uh, arriving in Paramaribo, joined by one of, probably one of the most famous people in the Netherlands, Umberto. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we are out burning... Uh, and we end up in this uh, remote uh, uh, eco-lodge called the Zintete Lodge. And for him, it's really strange because he, he is constantly in the media. And then mm-hmm. there's no Wi-Fi, no internet. There are no cell phone connection. And we were there both in a hammock, candlelight, uh, listening to the sound of the jungle. And then he asked me, wow. Arjan, what is the most special bird we can see in Suriname? I said, Umberto, that's a harpy eagle. It's a pound for pound, the biggest eagle in the world, huge mm-hmm talents the size of a grizzly bear and it hunts for 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 sloths and uh, and and howler monkeys but the chances that we will see one is, is practically zero because i don't know a breeding site or whatever 
next day we're out driving on the logging road and then uh, the guide uh, Fred suddenly pounces on the because he sits on the roof of the of, of the, the our vehicle he oh. pounces on the on the on the roof and we know he had some spot something rare so we jump from the out of the van and then in, on this exposed uh, snack in the rainforest canopy sits this huge harpy eagle and we watch it through the telescope for 15 minutes and then so i prior to this sighting i said when we were in there both in that hammock uh, with at night I, I i said to told umberto if we see a harpy eagle you will have goosebumps on your arm mm-hmm. <laughs> and there we were 30 degrees 100 humidity Bird float, flies over our head after we observed it 15 minutes. He taps me on the shoulder, shows me his arm, goosebumps all over the place. So <laughs> I got yeah, goosebumps was, listening to that. I'm yeah. not lying. And, and, and till this day, Umberto is actually, uh, we, are, we have become really good friends. I'm uh-huh. already for three years. I'm every week, I'm on this, uh, on this radio show to talk about birds. And he oh, actually really helped birding to become... Uh, so popular in the Netherlands because he embraced it and uh, mm-hmm. and he, he he makes time for it and uh, so uh, yeah that's just uh, also that bird is just an awesome sighting but also symbolizes a really special friendship that I got from my big year yeah I, before Jesse asks this next question I, I do want to say it, it, it is amazing because because of Jesse and mm-hmm. the podcast right so we started this years ago and we had thousands of listeners around the world Cool. Jesse's impact on the birding community because I go and tell my friends, my cousins, my students, everybody else I talk to, I'm like, you got to start doing this. And I show them eBird Merlin. Cool. And then we take bin, binos out and we go like, look at these birds and listen. And so just one person, you know, with Jesse alone, I mean, take the podcast out of it, but just my personal, there's 30, 40 people I've gotten into birding because Jesse got me into birding. So imagine yeah. your reach, you know, with your book and, 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 you know, in the Netherlands and throughout the world that the thousands and thousands of people you're inspiring or millions, you know, young, especially get the young, young children involved too. So, so hats off to you. That's awesome. That's a great Thanks. story. Yeah. Um, with your list of birds that you saw throughout the year, it grows every single year through the kind of the procedures that happen in the ornithological world uh, through, through lumps and splits where Mm -hmm. recent research has dictated that what we thought was one species might be seven or these two fly catchers that live in the West United States. um, They're not actually two species. Yeah. The best examples are probably the the North and the South Island saddleback, for instance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 You have a yep. couple of those New Zealand, splits yep. in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, we New have Zealand we have heaps in. of splits. And there's there's even because Johannes and I talk about you know well what's the next split, you know what what's what's the most recent research that might come out that suggests these birds even though they they look the same to to anybody um, mm-hmm. because they've been isolated on the two separate islands for so long why might they be separate species? So yeah. with, with with that said, um, your list is growing. How yeah. long do you think it might take until it reaches seven thousand? Um, well, not too long anymore. Um, so, of course, what uh, is important, also if somebody's listening, think about doing my big year. It's not 6,852 that you need to beat because I meticulously kept track of every subspecies that I uh, observed and uh, my list is updated. <laughs> so, But um, uh, if you go on my website, uh, you go to the page big year, you go down, uh, you can 
watch the list. You can click on the list, but that list is already out of date. That's a PDF file, mm-hmm. uh, um, a screenshot basically from the original website. And I think it's now already um, um, uh, 6,930 or 40. And then, uh, but now we have something uh, IUC uh, uh, is uh, um, doing a big lump. Again, a lot of stuff. Oh, they are. Oh, that's coming up. Yeah, yeah it's about so I'm, time. I'm actually gonna lose. I think ten species or so. <laughs> <laughs> but that said, I'm joking around. Who cares? You know, I'm, it <laughs> exactly, sounds really yeah, sounds really strange for uh, somebody who did a big year and a record-breaking big year. But I'm actually um, not so much a lister in the mm-hmm. Netherlands, so I, mm-hmm. I I don't care a lot about my world list. I also um, don't care a lot, especially about my Dutch list. I really just enjoy birding a lot, and I really I, there's one holy list for me, and that's the self-found list birds that ah, I self-found in this. the Netherlands. Yeah. And it's in in the Netherlands. This is the new big thing. So all the young mm-hmm. fanatic birders they don't care about their Dutch list. They only care about their self-found list. There are countless of self-found finding competitions. I'm actually mm-hmm. also in one self-finding competition. We have a a yearly. Um, a, a, like a, a how you call it a baker a prize mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. yep 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 right yep. a yep. cup a cup that you can oh, win yeah, yeah, okay. and then yeah, yeah. nobody else in the world cares about this competition only <laughs> us <laughs> and uh, but uh, well you you will know uh, Jesse that 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 thrill when you are countless hours in the field and then suddenly this bird pops up in front of you uh, which yeah. is from Siberia or Northern America and. Mm-hmm. And the adrenaline that that will that will rush through your veins is it's it's probably like you can never you're always longing to re- find that that thrill. Probably it's almost like like shooting heroin. <laughs> <laughs> so just well, Chris Chris knows that thrill with self finding birds because <laughs> yes, he yes, uh, okay. he had one I in Hamilton with shooting, last shooting. year. I yeah, thought we shooting uh, heroin. <laughs> yeah, so he, he found a, a local bird called the Caspian tern that's p- pretty rare in our parts. And um, oh, he had cool. to let me know as soon as possible. So that's that's one of his self-found birds right there. Yeah, yeah. nice. That's a good bird. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 you, yeah, know yeah. The, you know the frill now. Yeah, I, it's, yeah. It, we have some incredible species here. And, and Jesse's like, oof. We went to Australia. Yeah, what is your best, uh, what is your best find, find in uh, New Okay, Zealand, so Jesse? the story is, and, and I, I it, so it, it's funny. I was driving up to Auckland uh, and my wife was driving and, And so we're driving along, about to get on the highway. We're about an hour south of Auckland, and I see this white bird fly in front of our car. And it, it, I was like, it's something you don't see in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And it had a flat face. And I was like, there's no way that's a barn owl. And and Mm -hmm. and I know we have some vagrant barn owls here now that that um, you know came over from Australia. And I said, there's no way. So I immediately like log it on eBird, and then I call. I, I was texting Jesse furiously. I'm like that had to be an owl. I know how they fly. And he's like, well, there are some cockatoos around there. And I was like, <laughs> so I had this self doubt, but it had the flat face. And I, and I, when I went to Australia, I saw cockatiels or cockatoos, right. Flying. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that is not what I saw. I saw a barn owl, you know, and, and they are here in the Wakato where we live. They, they do fly through. So yeah, that was exciting. And then, you know, the, when I was down in the South Island, the tip of the South Island, 
and seeing albatross and Stewart Island shags and some uh, just sheer water, some of the rare collegiate birds. And I was like, Jesse, yeah. you know, look at this and look at this. I, I take my phone and I zoom in as much as I can. And I'm like, I think it was a Bullard's albatross or something. And Jesse's like, no, no, it's the white, this and that, and the other. And yeah, <laughs> so it is exciting. And that's what I hope the listeners are getting out of this. It is something to do and it with your so- sounds like a sounds like a cockatoo to me if I <laughs> <laughs> hear this this description <laughs> it had a flat face yeah, 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 that's yeah, what I they all know. say yeah yeah, uh, I, yeah I, uh, anyways <laughs> uh just to kind of wrap some of this up because i'd say we have about 10 more minutes yeah uh, one of the things that i thought was important and you mentioned it earlier and you and I do pick it up on in your book because when you fly to forty different countries and you're so heavily involved in conservation, offsetting yeah. your carbon footprint. So how did you do that? Because that was kind of the, your goals in this. Yeah, yeah. So I, I uh, uh, offset it um, uh, through green seed because which which was also because uh, um, uh, I, I was sponsored by uh, um, ATPI, which is. Uh, um, Advanced Travel Partners International. That's um, a travel agency that they helped me with all the logistics to to book all my flights and to to make it all fit together. And they have an offsetting uh, program. But like, um, if I would do it now, of course, I would have offset it um, everything through IUCN because mm-hmm. that is like a much higher quality. A carbon offset program and since my big year i have offset all my traveling kilometers not just by plane but also by car through uh through uh, land acquisition uh for iucn so uh um but that said um so i thought um so first i thought okay offsetting a year of traveling i will have to plan three still i'm 90 mm-hmm. probably to <laughs> yes. make up for yeah. that but then uh, i found out i i well I had to spend money, uh, not that much, but still quite some money to 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 offset my footprint. And I thought that's well, it's, it feels like I'm just um, uh, sort of uh, paying off my 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 debt. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. but yeah. doesn't feel really like I'm really putting in an effort. So that is why I thought I had to do that uh, that extra thing, the fundraiser. So yeah. that is yeah. why I thought my aim was. Well, I said hundred thousand uh, uh, euros, but but the general aim is to raise still raise more money than the whole big year cost altogether, including everything. And I'm nearly there, but um, that said, um, also a percent, couple of percentages from the my book sale of the big year that flew by will go to a, a bird life preventing extinction program, and all the profit uh, we make from our my documentary uh Aaron's big here which you can actually watch on my website uh we don't yeah we are the whole documentary and bear in mind that we won the public's choice award at the uh, wildlife film festival rotterdam it was in 18 cinemas in the netherlands it was uh, actually uh, shown on the uh, mpo1 the biggest uh, dutch uh, broadcasting station on television and now it is uh, uh, you can see it on netflix in the netherlands and i think in uh, several european countries so we made uh, quite uh, an, an impact with the documentary and it cost brace yourself only twenty three thousand uh, dollars to oh, wow. record the entire yeah. documentary an age wow. documentary wow and we have 
already um, um, made back all the costs. And now every penny that comes in, we donate to, to BirdLife. So I'm not nearly finished with my fundraiser. I'm just yeah. getting started. Yeah. I'll just, I will put the, the link to the show notes uh, to that, to your website, and then to where yeah. they can see it. And then for our listeners in Europe, check it out on Netflix. Because I, I was watching a rock climbing one the other day, and I really wanted to see your documentary on Netflix. Yeah. So it is actually translated. This is, so we have, we have a, so we have a, first we had a Dutch voiceover, but we, we especially for the, the, the foreign crowd, we found a, an English voiceover, a, mm-hmm. a dude that kind of sounds like David Edinburgh, but of course <laughs> not David. <laughs> we dragged somebody from the street who sounded a bit like a David Edinburgh. And then we subtitled everything, every yeah. uh, all the Dutch cons- cons- conservation, uh, conversations. So yeah. you can actually, uh, yeah, you can... As a New Zealander, you can you can really enjoy the documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can recommend it. Jesse, final question. Yeah, um, one of the things um, some of the birders say here in New Zealand when it comes to to going bird watching and and, and finding birds, it's it's about time on the water because um, mm-hmm. if you're going to find birds in New Zealand, you got to be out at sea. And yeah. one of my favorite lines from your book, and I wrote it down, was. The juice was worth the squeeze. I absolutely <laughs> love that. Uh, when it's I from a out, from a movie, it's from a it movie. Really? Yeah, oh. from the girl next door. You know oh. the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. Because yeah. um, when 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 I go out birding, I I don't discriminate against all the other animals. I when I go out, I look for reptiles, amphibians, mammals, yeah. and you definitely saw more than just birds. So could you tell mm. us a little bit about some of the mammals or, or reptiles or any of the yeah. other wildlife that that you saw when you were out and about? Yeah, of course, um, when traveling for a year, being out in nature all day, uh, you encounter some really cool uh, wildlife. Um, and I let, let's take uh, uh, three really special sightings. One was in India, in uh, or, um, um, which was in Kaziranga National Park in the Northeast. And there, uh, me and my friends observed uh, a huge male tiger uh, take down two preys in a row. Mm-hmm. Wow. So we saw it, the same tiger make two kills after, wow. like, and then I have these crazy photos uh, of that uh, uh, kill. If you go, so so if you go to Dutch birding, and then, uh, well, I, I will, I will uh, email you the, the pictures so you I can maybe post it somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So I have a, a, a photo. You see this tiger crawls out in the mid air um, above. The only sad thing about it was he was hunting cattle, mm-hmm. which had wandered into the park. Uh, mm-hmm. But you can see it close out, like jumping onto this cow. And then you see a, a Indian one, one-horned rhinoceros, like protecting its skull from the shielding its skull from the from the the tiger, only one shot. So that was absolutely mental. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, which was really crazy. I was in uh, uh, Ghana. Uh, we were walking this trail suddenly. Our guy Paul, he jumps up uh, and he always stepped on a gaboon fiber, like a Ooh. snake. Yeah. And it's it was a uh, if he had stepped on it, he would have died uh, mm. within minutes. But it's uh, it's a, uh, uh, was almost a, a meter long, arm thick uh, viper. Uh, really, really cool. And uh, I made a little video uh, posted on the Instagram of that uh, snake slithering up the, the trail. And then her, her pathologist watching that clip, 
they said like, oh, that's my dream sighting. It's so rare to see such a, a large uh, Gaboon Viper. And uh, so I quickly realized that I'd seen something incredibly uh, rare and uh, and really unique. So so that was on the on the herb front. And then I, yeah, something that I really enjoyed. Uh, I don't know. I'm not a, uh, I don't know, have any knowledge of, of uh of, of butterflies and, and especially moths, but I really enjoyed at night. If you look, walk back to your room and then uh, you have uh, some TL lights and any of these, oh, yeah. for instance, on Borneo, Mount Kinabalu, and uh, like these, these hawk moths, like uh, the yeah. size of your fist. And, yeah, uh, wow. Yeah, can, that, that's just really special. And I, I watched hundreds or thousands of species of moth and butterfly uh, during my big year, which was fantastic. Yeah. Makes you appreciate the planet right like it just yeah. does it gives you that that drive to, yeah. to to do more and and so last question for me is you know obviously i'll, I'll put the links to the show notes uh, what's next for you and and where's where can people follow you I, obviously your yeah. website but do you have any other social media like said instagram yeah. or or other places? yeah my uh, so i'm most active on uh, instagram so uh yeah that's at ariel dwarshaus <laughs> Uh, and then um, what am I doing next? So I'm uh, currently, I've, for the last two years, I was filming a big uh, nature documentary about uh, birding and uh, birds, especially in the Netherlands. So uh, that is, yeah, we are, we hope to uh, to have it out in uh, somewhere at the end of this year. So four part documentary with over 120 species filmed and uh, yes. really uh, talk addressing all the conservation issues here in the Netherlands. So a real professional documentary. So I'm really proud of that. And then um, I um, actually I wrote a second book after my big yearbook in Dutch about uh, um, yeah um, bird, birds and conservation issues in the Netherlands. And now I'm actually um, wrapping up my children's book. Oh, good. And awesome. Oh, no way. I wrote a children's book, uh, fic- my first fictional story uh, about the friendship between a little girl, Suus, and um, a great bittern. Uh, oh, called Ronnie, nice. and uh, yeah, uh, he's actually a, a, a medieval lord that was um, um, bewitched and, and changed into a bittern. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so so I'm really excited about that. I, I I'm I'm really really proud of this this story. It's more like a like a fairy tale, modern day fairy tale, with also lots of ecological information uh, in it. Wow. And then uh, of course my. Uh, my work for ICN mm-hmm. um, and um, I give lots of talks and which is most funny because we're recording a podcast. I also have a podcast, yeah. but it's in Dutch, unfortunately, oh. but it's, a, <laughs> it's the Vogels podcast. But so we, we started this thing in um, uh, at the beginning of COVID and um, I actually trained my best friend, uh, one of my best friends, uh, Gisbert, who knew nothing about birds, how to become a birder. And this thing took off immensely. So um, wow. uh, we got a fi- immediately a couple of weeks in. We got a five star review in the, the biggest Dutch newspaper, and then it just went crazy. So for weeks on end, we were the number one podcast on uh, Apple and Spotify in the Netherlands. That's and awesome. um, now we have uh, over uh, three and a half million clicks, and we have uh, tr- thirty to forty thousand recurring listeners, and j- uh, we are sixty eight episodes in. And just uh, uh, two weeks ago, I was um, on a research vessel with thirty of our podcast fans uh, boating the coast of Spitsbergen, 
looking for Ooh. polar bears and oh. blue whales <laughs> and uh, awesome. ivory gulls uh, yeah, wow. like through our podcast. And yeah, uh, yeah. yeah so actually my, my biggest uh, business thing that I do is the Vogels podcast, my podcast. Oh, yeah. nice. Nice. <laughs> and that shows, great. it shows the popularity of uh, birding mm. in the Netherlands. Birding now is one of the biggest uh, hobbies in nature in the Netherlands. Even after COVID, it it, it stayed like everybody, uh, not everybody, Fantastic. unfortunately, but a lot of people like birding now. Well, you know, it, like I said, Jesse's on because he got me into it. And Arion, you're just, <laughs> wow. Like, you know, your story, your reach, uh, your podcast, your inspiration for, for what you did, uh, you know, seeing close to now, what, 6,900 plus bird species. And mm-hmm. again, to the listeners, there's only about 10,700 that we know of. So <laughs> you do the math. That is incredible effort. Thank you for sharing uh, this last hour with Jesse and I. And if you're in you're New Zealand, please send us an email. Uh, we'll get with Johannes and you. <laughs> we'll, Look we'll, for Blue uh, Duck. Yes, yeah, we'll get those yes. Blue Duck. They're just down yeah. the road from us. So, <laughs> no, yeah, no, no. We can hook you up. Yeah. A North <laughs> Island uh, kiwi, Okarita brown kiwi, uh, yellowhead. Uh, uh, I think that's it. That is, oh, New Zealand storm petrol. Mm, okay. I need that. Oh, yeah. I could definitely storm on that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah, then yeah, uh, yeah, Cook's yeah. petrol, Pickross petrol. Those are, I can see, see about 10 or 12 new, new birds. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Oh, that's worth a trip, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much and uh, take care. Yeah. Likewise. Cheers, man. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.